A new leader for the NBAA Business Aviation Management Committee. Coming up, a conversation with incoming Chairman Tim Pease and with outgoing Chairman Jad Donaldson. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. The NBAA Business Aviation Management Committee, BAMC for short, focuses on the issues pertaining to running a flight department no matter what type of operation that might be. The committee develops guidance to aviation department managers on a wide range of important issues, including techniques and skills and personnel selection and retention and training and education. The incoming chairman is Tim Pease with Heartland Coca-Cola Bottling. The outgoing chairman is Jad Donaldson from Harley-Davidson Motor Company. Jad, one of the tools critical to BAMC's contributions to flight department management is the use of surveys. One important survey recently looked at the critical issue of hiring and retention. I think the first thing to understand is we have an outstanding team of people on the Business Aviation Management Committee that work with the Professional Tools Subcommittee that do these surveys. Uh, they're, they're qualified and they're capable of doing the surveys. They know what it, what's important when you're qualifying the data. So it, it's important to know that to begin with, we had the right people to help us look at our industry and be able to derive some data from it. We had great participation in, in so far all the surveys, and we continue to have even better participation and hope to have even more in the future because we've got some new surveys coming out that are going to be even more impactful and more powerful. But what we know so far is that we're gleaning data that's telling us why people are leaving business aviation, why they are wanting to go to the airlines, and also what are the driving uh, factors that are, are pushing those agendas forward. When we look at all the statistics, 50% of the pilots go to the airlines and 50% of the pilots come to business aviation. And we know that certainly business aviation, probably its Achilles heel is the quality of life factor for most pilots is not real high and in some cases is the driving force behind why people want to leave business aviation for the airlines. That quality of life factor is certainly very large when they know in advance what their schedule is going to be and when they're going to work and when they're going to be off. Those are important factors, certainly, and are personal factors, I think, for everybody who, who flies or is part of those, that industry. But moreover, there's been a lot of talk around pay. And our survey's actually proven that while the number one driving force in the past has been quality of life. We have seen pay and quality of life almost in a dead heat now in our latest survey report. And this is, you know, this is one of the big things that the Business Aviation Management Committee is doing for our industry. It's coming up with this data so we can look at it and analyze it and give tools back to uh, the association members to be able to know kind of how to combat that. So we know pay is important and we know that uh, quality of life is important. Now the question becomes, how are we going to deal with it? And what kind of things can we put into place? And how can we help managers and leaders within our industry uh, begin to stem uh, the tide of the problems. Let's turn to the BAMC incoming chairman, Tim Peace. Tim, can the same be said of flight attendants and mechanics? Flight attendants seem to move for slightly different reasons. Sometimes it's moving because others in their family are moving. Sometimes it is to the airlines because they want uh, a more predictable schedule in, what, uh, in, in where they're, they're looking to finally be. But in many cases with the flight attendants, it is from one business aviation group to another business aviation group. That seems to be a problem with mechanics as well. True. The, uh, I think with the, with the mechanics, it's really a factor of 
who's paying the most and who's got the better schedule. Those are the what what seem to be the predominant driving forces in the maintenance and in the um, the flight attendant or in any of the support elements, whether it be scheduler, dispatcher, um, it, possibly even in the line service elements. Some of these areas we haven't delved deeply into with uh, surveys, but we have touched upon them in, in various other previous surveys. On a big picture scale, what are you learning that we could bring home to the flight department? What is it telling you in terms of how to manage the workforce issues that you face today? I think that there are many things from the retention side. We have um, a very comprehensive salary survey that comes out every year. Four years ago, that survey became an audited product. In the upcoming year, 2019, BDO will be handling that uh, compensation survey and its statistical outputs and availabilities, which the, the survey has always been credible. It increased in credibility over the past four years, and now it's equal to any. I, I couldn't imagine anyone that would challenge the validity of it when you have an organi outsourced organization like BDO standing behind it. That, to me, that's where the core begins. I, ha I have to have quality data to make good decisions as a department manager and leader. I think there are a lot of people who look at what you're doing with the surveys and with the compensation guide, and they wonder, isn't there a magic bullet here? What is it going to take for us to, to solve the workforce uh, recruiting and, and retention issue? I know it's more complex than that, but there is an expectation, I think, within the membership that we've got to find a way to solve this and this is the, the key to it. Do you see it as the key to solving some of the issues that we face with workforce retention? I don't think there is a magic bullet. I do think there is a general foundational recipe. You have to have good ethics. You have to have uh, people's best interest at heart. You have to be able to carry forward the corporate and business mission. Um, you have to have. You have to be interested in having a diverse, uh, dynamic, agile uh, organization, and to maintain that within any aviation element, whether it's one aircraft or twenty aircraft. You you have to be able to um, to be able to react, and in many cases anticipate. So I think the more tools, more reference, more data that you have to bank those decisions from, the more successful the outcome can be. And as long as you have that, uh, that desire to develop a cognitive and comprehensive uh, uh, outcome, uh, I think that you build the recipe for success as the leader of the organization, just as you build the team to go along with it. Jad, when you're going after new employees, the pilots, the flight attendants, mechanics, schedulers, dispatchers, when you go after new talent, I've noticed you're even reaching out to high school kids now. We are going to high schools. In fact, through the Workforce Summit that we just completed this past August uh, at the NBAA headquarters, we brought in some very strategic people. I, I, I think we had north of 30 people in the room for a one-day Workforce Summit. And at the table, we had the General Aviation Manager, uh, Manufacturers Association, we had the uh, Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, uh, obviously representation of the uh, National Business Aviation Association and, and, and multiple subcommittee representation of the NBAA. 
um, at the table. So uh, we had uh, the maintenance uh, maintenance uh, technicians uh, committee there, the business aviation management committee there. Uh, we had the CAM governing board at the table as well. Just a lot of different people. I want to say that because it's important to note that we're not doing this in a vacuum. And here's what we learned. Uh, and in addition to that, we had, I want to add one other group, we had the uh, Professional Development Subcommittee of the Business Aviation, the BAMC, the Business Aviation Management Committee, um, which we focused specifically on this task. What we learned was, and we didn't know, was that AOPA actually has an initiative to build uh, where they are supporting 90 high schools in a curriculum of aviation. So they're hitting the high school level. We have been working very hard within the BAMC and, and our PD subcommittee to build a video along with a PowerPoint presentation that we've created that gives people a look into business aviation along with the talking points for high schools to say here's, here's the video of what the industry looks like, what this business could look like, what this job looks like to you, and then here's the talking points for these kids to be able to get further. What, what I instructed uh, my committee chair, uh, Tony Aiello, on, on the PD subcommittee to do for me was I wanted him to reach out across the, the boundaries of the two associations and help AOPA backstop the high school initiative that they have. They've got a wonderful high school program that they have funded solely on their own that gives curriculum and the ability to, uh, 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 to introduce high school students into aviation and bring them through an aviation program that by their senior year, they're potentially ready to get their pilot's license. This is outstanding. What we need to do in business aviation is not let them necessarily think that the only path to aviation is the airlines. So what I want uh, um, my chair on the BAMC, my, my, my sub-chair on the BAMC to do for me and, and Tony is to reach out and support the AOPA uh, with business aviation flight operations that can help in these cities where they have these high schools and we can go into those high schools um, and bring those kids out to our flight operations in those cities and be able to see business aviation firsthand. What is it like to be a maintenance technician or a flight attendant on a business aircraft? What's it like to see the operations of the business flight department and the pilots and what they do and you know some of the, the aircraft that we fly and, and talk about the places that we go and just the kind of operations we have? I'm quite certain that these high schools are all in cities where we have very successful business aviation flight departments, but the flight departments are disconnected from this initiative because we don't all know that this is what we're working on. We need to all work together. That's what this is really all about. Tim, this speaks to scholarship. You know, the ways that we can entice young people to stop and take a look at our profession. So the uh, professional development group, Tony Allo and uh, Dan Wolf, uh, originally did a fantastic job of developing the, uh, the entry-level internship-type program, uh, now taking that into some scholarships. Yeah, in fact, NBAA offers almost $100,000 a year in both monetary and training scholarships. And as for high schools? Tony and his team are taking that uh, with NBAA to a, uh, a high school type level. And we've divided this into a two year and less, two to five year and five year plus task to find different pieces and products that they could put together with the other teams that are, are part of the other committees that are part of NBAA to go forward with, with those elements. We have uh, mentioned management tools, an ethical piece that we're doing 
um, which Jed Donaldson's been heading up tremendously. Great success with that. Very well received within the industry. I think that's a huge part of what BAMC's been able to do. Jed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know that we need to start them early, and we have to uh, plant the seed of, of getting them excited at the high school level. But at the end of the day, they've got to come through we want them to come through a college program by which they will be able to have a degree, four-year degree program and be able to come out uh, with the ability to work in the industry. I mean, one of the problems is uh, the current regulations requires that we need 1,500 hours or if you're in a, I believe it's a 141, 142 training program, you can come out as with as little as 1,000 hours to meet the requirements to sit in the right seat and get a restricted ATP license. These are great regulations don't get me wrong it's very important that we have skilled um, capable people flying aircraft especially in the business aviation world where you know the tightness of the regulations um, is is really bound by the uh, technical aptitude of the leadership in order to uh, offer safe transportation for our for our flying uh, business passengers but more to the point no one or two flight departments in business aviation are exactly the same. And the problem our universities are having is they don't have a path to business aviation because there is no standardized way to get here. The great thing about the airlines is that their model is extremely standardized. It is procedurally based. They know exactly what they need to do as a freshman all the way to a senior. When they step out, they are ready to come to the airlines. They have 900 hours. They get 100 hours of sim time. The airlines are offering them a job upon exiting college. They've got a degree. They're stepping into a, a at least a reasonably paying uh, flight regime and with within no time they've got their thousand hours restricted ATP and they're flying the line at the airlines. We don't have that in business aviation. Even though we've, you know, we've modified our management guide, our, uh, which is our tool for guidance to our, our business aviation leaders um, to say, you know what, with a safety management system approach, you could drop a candidate down to as little as 500 hours and bring them into a flight department. We've worked with our insurance uh, carriers that are in our industry to say, what do you need? Can you accept maybe a, a first officer with 500 hours, uh, very limited experience, and, and will you penalize us for that uh, as a leader running a business aviation business um, in terms of the cost? They said no. They said if you you know if you're comfortable flying them and they can meet the requirements of the certification of a of a, a type rating. We're okay with that. Okay, so we've done we've done all of that work, um, and that's not an uh, an impedance to being able to bring them in. But the university doesn't know how to help us get them there, uh, and so we need to do a lot more with that. Uh, you know, we're also getting beat, sadly to say, by the fact that you know the airlines are so significantly impacted right now by the shortage that they have. That while they're they're trying to take uh, their experienced pilots out of business aviation. You know they're hire, They're offering opportunities to uh, our, our aviation universities right now, from freshman to senior, and and you know basically pre-signing them just like our military always has, and saying you know you give us, we'll, we'll help you with some financial concerns and getting you your license, so you'll give us five years after graduating to be part of the airlines, and uh, so they're getting awfully creative, and that's uh, definitely pushing us into a a whole different realm of where this this whole workforce issue is at. Tim, moving forward to the months ahead, what are your priorities as the new leader of the Business Aviation Management Committee? Well, we'd like to carry the management tools, management guide, ISBAO harmonization forward. That's a very slow and arduous task because it, there's a lot of um, 
NBA does not force members to be part of the ISBAO uh, best practices, but they do endorse them and they do embrace them. So creating a document that is acceptable, that people can take best practices from that they wish, and they might not choose to be ISBAO registered at the end of the day. If they choose to be, then here's a great reference document that they can have. Um, the professional development that I mentioned with uh, Tony's group, uh, they're really on a roll and doing a great job with that. And as from a workforce uh, piece, I very much want to see their elements moving into uh, NBA-backed initiatives to continue to entice people to come into the industry and to look at this. There are many, many aviation schools in America. There are very few that have any sort of expanded product on business aviation. And unless you know who we are, what we do, you have some idea of the micro and macro economics and the impact that capitalism itself uh, receives from the aviation support arm, uh, it's always great to be a part of something. And making sure that we're continuing to move forward to be a significant part of something within the organization and giving back to its membership, I think that's really the number one priority that I have every day. To sum it up, we've been talking about workforce retention surveys that at this point indicate compensation and quality of life issues are pretty much neck and neck when it comes to flight crew members. We talked about the need to focus on introducing business aviation to a younger audience, high school students for instance, as a means of bringing new people into our industry. And we talked about BAMSI's efforts to bring about harmonization between the safety practices of NBAA member organizations and ISBAO, the international standard for business aircraft operations. Find out more about all of this by checking out the NBAA website and searching on the terms BAMSI and Workforce. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan. <laughs>